Welcome to today's study with Pastor Rick. Reaching thousands around the world by radio and online, Pastor Rick provides answers to the challenges of everyday living. Hi, this is Pastor Ricky Temple. I am so glad you're with me today. This is one of my favorite things to do in all the world, teach the scripture. And so I want you to sit back, get ready to enjoy a practical walk through the word of God that will help you in some practical areas of your life. You know, when you get through with the cat, the dog, and all the things you're dealing with, it can be really tough. But I believe that when you open God's word, it helps make your day better. So enjoy today's study. It will help change your life. Enjoy. Today we talk about something that's really important to me. It's the conclusion of our series, How Godly Families Can Turn Around a Distracted uh, Generation. I almost called it How Godly Families Can Turn Around an Ungodly Situation. That sometimes what happens in your life is you raise children and you were a godly person, but they didn't turn out like you planned. And the question is, what happened? And so in the series, I've been talking about that. And last week, I kind of concluded with a question because I talked about a guy named Eli whose family got really out of whack. He's a preacher. He's a guy who's a holy guy. And all of a sudden, he raised these ungodly kids who are doing these horrible things. And, um, and he knew it. And, and, and this is not to blame anybody. This is, not to, 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 this is just to say this is, this is the, the truth. The, the, the way that we feel sometimes is we wonder what in the world happened. What happened to to the simple process of educating kids. What happened to this American dream? What happened to people? What happened to these families that have godly parents who went to church? Some of you are confused. I raised you in church. I took you to the house of God. What happened? And even some of you became distracted. You're wondering what happened to you. You can't quite figure it out. Joshua felt the same way in Joshua chapter 24. Because here he is talking to people that should know better. And listen to what he said, top of your notes again, at verse 15. He said, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. He said, you know, I can't believe after all these years I've got to make this point. I have to make this, I have to ask you this question. You have to understand, this is the guy who saw them for 40 years in the wilderness. This is the guy who was in Egypt with them in slavery. This was the guy who had witnessed all the miracles in the wilderness. This is the guy who knew it. And he said, how in the world could we be here? And, but, and so he kind of asked them, look at the kind of question he had to ask them. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, why do you have to say that to these people? If it seems evil for you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. We're still choosing we're still deciding, we're still in the place where we're deciding this, whether the gods which are your father served are the ones on the other side of the river. I mean, so we haven't even decided what God we're going to serve yet. Okay, that's hard. It's hard for parents to go, man, I thought we talked about this. I'm telling you to go to work. I'm telling you to hold on a job. I'm telling you not, I'm telling you not to steal. Pause. And, and especially for some of you single parents, you're going, yeah, help me. You already see what I'm going through and you're stealing stuff? I don't have money to get you out of jail. I don't have money. I don't have, what are you doing? And if you got a mother and a father now, a lot of the fathers are confused. You say, well, I'm not that guy. I was here working for you. What do you mean? There is a point of confusion that you can have that makes you step back and go, you got to be kidding me. 
Well, here's what's wrong. They're distracted. And the question is, what do you do about it? Well, there are three things Joshua did to turn around his, his, uh, his generation. And he understood, as for me and my house. Say it with me, please. Come on. As for me and my house. Please be clear about this. Learn this lesson. There's things in life you control and the things you don't. And Joshua made three important steps that I thought were profound that turned his family around. Number one, he faced the obvious without excuse. Say that with me, please. Come on. He faced the obvious without excuse. There are some things that are obvious about your kid. You come in the house, you smell weed, you think, oh, that's, that's air freshener. That's not air freshener. <laughs> you used to smoke that stuff. You know what that smells like. You ain't trying to pretend you don't know what that is. You know exactly, you know exactly what that is. I love the fact that Joshua, when he engaged the generation he was in, he, was, he, said, he said what was obvious. You're raising a non-Christian kid. Your kid is not a Christian. Some of you, your kid doesn't serve God. He faced the obvious. He looked at him and said, ah, this is what I see. This is what I see. Based on what I see, this is where you are. And it's better to start where they really are than where you think they are, where you want them to be. Because some of you kids, you come to church and you're really holy. Right now, this is your holy day. Hi, Pastor Ricky. How are you? How are you? God bless you. God bless you. You know all the right terms to say. In school, what's up? Hey, girl, can make, hey, hey, give me them digits, girl. My heart's going to fall out. You're going to jail for murder. If you don't give me that number, girl, my heart's going to, I mean, this is how you are at school. Anybody here with me? You know, you're a whole different person. You, you got a whole name. You got a whole other name at school. People, people in the street wouldn't know you in here. That's why when we used to do television, and now, you know, we don't pan the audience like we used to, but they used to have a lot of audience shots. And people used to come to church and get saved because they saw some of you in church. I used to have people stop me and say, you know what? I'm going to come to Jesus. If I... <laughs> you know, they, they look and say, I saw him, Billy Bob, in church. He was worshiping God. And I, I, they couldn't believe it. I mean, you inspire people because the you out there and the you in here is totally different. They're shocked to see you try. What do you look like when you're not here? What's your language like? What's your attitude like? You know, I mean, I mean think, think for a second about the, di the difference. It was, it was important for him, if he was going to help these, this generation, he had to say what he saw. I never thought about it this way, but in, Judge, in Joshua 24, when he gives his last speech, he's brutally honest. I don't see fruit in you guys, he says to them. You're living this way because I'm here. You're not doing what you would do, but you, and you're sneaking in doing it. The second thing he did that I thought was interesting that helped turn his generation around was not only being honest about what was obvious. Number two, he made a, he made a me and my house decision. Say that with me, please. Come on. A me and my house decision. See, Eli would not make those decisions. Eli would not, would not say what was obvious. Eli would not make the decision to say his two sons who were ungodly who were having relationships all over the church with all the women. He was, he was, they, these were two ungodly sons stealing offerings. The, Eli, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we studied last week, would not confront them. Joshua wasn't like that. Joshua said, listen, I don't know what everybody else is doing, but as for me and my house. He made a decision. If you work for me, you're my sons, you work, that's not going to be allowed. There's something that's so, so incredibly important about the decision you make.
it's, it's, a, it's a painful thing when, when you don't realize you have the power to change your world, not everybody else's. Say, me and my house. Come on. Me and my house. He faced the obvious. He made a me and my house decision. I, I don't know what you guys are doing, but I know what I'm going to do in my house. I can't meet with your kids. I'm going to meet with my kids. I'm not going to make some big confession and go downtown and make some big speech and some, some ceremony for the community. I'm not going to go to a PTA meeting and make a big speech. I'm going to go to my house with my children, my grandkids, my family, and fix it. If I get everybody to do that, it makes a lot of things easier for everybody. Yeah. I said this last week, a lot of the crime in our community is family-based. <coughs> People in the families know, cousins, uncles, and friends, they know. They come and confess crimes to each other. They know stuff. It's amazing. And a lot of the times, it's because something's missing, which is the third thing I think I saw Joshua do right. He passed good decision from generation to generation. He passed good decision-making. Things are passed down through families. Joshua decided to make the stand in his family. As for me and my house, me and my generation, something's going to change. Something's gonna, we're, not, we're not following the traditional route of everybody. And because that's not happening, because there's not that family generational presence, things start falling apart. If certain people were alive in your family, certain things wouldn't happen. It was after grandmama died, it was after granddaddy died that things changed. Now I want to show you this in Judges chapter 2, verse 7. And in the book of Judges, I chose this chapter because Judges says more than Joshua in chapter 24 does. We're studying two basic chapters today, Joshua 24 and Judges chapter 2, okay? Joshua 24 says everything I would want to say to you, but I chose to go to Judges because it says a little bit more. It says something I want you to see. He describes life after Joshua, and he describes what happened in the next generation. He shows us the generation that became distracted. Now, here's the theme of the book of Judges. You ready? In the book of Judges, here's what happened. In the book of Judges, you had people who started out doing good. Then they would slip and do bad. Then they would be punished for being bad and doing something they shouldn't do. Then they would repent and say they're sorry. God would send a judge or a person to deliver them from bondage or slavery or whatever it was. Then they would do good for a while. Then they would, guess what, do bad, right? And then they would get punished. And then they would just live in a cycle. And that became the life and the cycle of their world. Some families are just like that. That's exactly, if you look at your family, you step back. That's why I told you last week's sermon was so powerful. You go listen to it on the internet. It's amazing. The principle was simply this. Is that my family? And what you will discover is a lot of it didn't start with one generation. And you know, you, you, you start piecing things together. You start figuring out things. And this is what Joshua teaches. He teaches and shows us a principle. Let me show you how it happened. In the Judges chapter 2, verse 7. So the people served the Lord all the days of who? Read it again. It's in your notes. There you go. Judges chapter 2, verse 7. What did it say? So the people served the Lord what? All the days of who? Joshua. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the good works, the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. So when they saw Joshua, they were extremely excited and they were faithful and loyal as long as he was living. 
As long as grandma was living, certain things were not allowed. As long as granddaddy was around, as long as your father was around, certain things those brothers of yours would have never done, I said, ever, ever, never thought about because they knew, they understood certain things. They, they were clear in their mind that this is not a person you play with like that because they didn't care. They had lines they drew. And so you have to understand that that's part of, part of what made Joshua so profound. And he passed that to the next generation. So not only did they serve the Lord Joshua in Joshua's life, they served the Lord in the next generation. In the next generation, they served the Lord because of the, the elders were taught by Joshua and they knew all the works, you know, the crossing of the Red Sea, the plagues in Egypt, they knew. But the problem was that generation after Joshua that had received the information from Joshua didn't pass it to the next generation. They became distracted. Somehow they lost sight of the importance of communicating all the works that God had done. This was the generation that stopped requiring their kids to go to church. There's no more Bible study. There's no more Sunday school. There's no more, okay, take church out for a minute. There's no more reading the Bible. There's no more studying. There's no more reading. There's nothing. They're, 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 they're on their own. They're someplace over here. And so Joshua was fine. Generation after Joshua was fine. The third generation was not. And what happened was they turned away from the Lord. And I want you to listen to what he said. This is important. Skip down to verse 10. I'm sorry, go to verse 8. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was how old? 110 years old. Skip down to verse 10. And when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose. After those who did not know the Lord, who did not know the Lord, another generation arose that after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done. Two problems. Number one, they didn't know God. They didn't have any personal relationship with God. Number two, they didn't know any of the works. They didn't teach them. They stopped passing down those values. Those little things that you say to people, you know, those little sayings that grandmamas and granddaddies would tell you. You stop saying those things. You got a television. You got an iPad. You got something else. The kids don't sit and talk. Nobody talks. Nobody talks. Everybody's in their own little world. I'm not against those things. I got all that jazz. I'm not against those technologies. I'm not against any of that. I'm just simply saying something happened in this generation. What Joshua did right was he passed it down. What the next generation did wrong was they stopped passing it. And so you ended up with people who had forgotten the works. The Bible said in verse 11, a very powerful thing. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. They started serving other gods. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. They became people who made an incredible decision. And Joshua 24, back to Joshua 24 now, summarizes what happened. Watch this now. And Joshua summarizes this so honestly. First of all, he says they were not serving the Lord. Verse 14 of Joshua 24. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river. He said, you guys are not serving the Lord. He, he, he did not cover it up. There's something about being able to say, you know, my kids are not serving the Lord. Let's just be honest about that. Let's start where the truth is. That's how you turn it around, by being honest. Number two, they were living between this side and the other side. I already read this to you. Decide whether you're going to serve the gods which your father served that were on the other side or the gods of the Amorites. This side or that side, guys, what are you going to do? He, he calls them out and makes an, makes an honest assessment. And then thirdly, he, I love this. 
He, he points out, you guys are quick to respond and make promises, but you're not sincere. Verse 16 says this in, in Joshua 24. So the people answered and said, far be it from us we, that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. We're not going to do that. They were quick to say that. Oh, no, oh, I wouldn't dare leave. Oh, I love God and I'm in the Lord of clothes. Oh, no. But then he goes on and says, but you're not sincere nor consistent. And then he makes a stunning statement in verse 19. One that is surprising to me, but it's profound. Here's what he said, verse 19. This is Joshua 24. Joshua said to the people, read it all out with him, please. Come on. You cannot serve the Lord. Paul, say it again. You cannot serve the Lord. Now, here's, here's what I want you to hear. This can almost make you want to get into a little fight with Joshua because you can say, I don't tell me I can't serve the Lord. Well, you know, because, because he, he knows the Lord. He knows God's not going to put up with you. And here's what he says. This is what he says. He said, because he is holy. He's holy. And, and you and him aren't going to get along. So you cannot be a servant of God. It won't work. Because you want to live your way, do it your way. So he, please, the word holy simply means set apart. You know, God's over here and you're over there. There are some people you know not to do certain things around because they won't, they won't put up with it. If you're going to do something illegal, you probably figured out who to do it in front of. <laughs> because if you do it in front of certain people, they're just going to, they're going to tell on you. They'll turn you in. They'll call the police right now. They're over here. One, four, 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 four. You know? So those are not the people you take with you. You're going to do something. You, you look around the church, find somebody else who's got the same spirit. And then you get together and, you know, you see. So he tells them, he says, let me tell you guys something. You cannot serve the Lord. God's not going to put him with you. He's holy. He's not going to, he's, he, you, you're over here, he's over there. And that's what holy means. It means to be separate. Secondly, he says this. He's a jealous God. Say that with me, please. Come on. He's a jealous God. I was in Dallas the other day with a friend of mine. His name is um, Randy, um, Robert Morris. Robert was uh, teaching pastors over Gateway. And I was in this, uh, every couple, three times a year, I go to a conference and sit and listen and learn, you know. And so I was with Dr. Tony Evans, and they had this thing going. And one of the guest speakers was my friend Robert. Robert was speaking, and he was, he, he was talking about tithing. And, uh, and, he, and he said something profound. He said, you know, the reason that God wants you to tithe and honor him first with your resources and your money is because he, he won't be second. He's God. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be second. So he said, the first check you give, you know, you honor God with the first fruit of your increase, the first thing. So the first bill he pays when he gets paid is he honors God. And so he said, I get paid on the 15th and the 30th. And then, you know, when I get paid, the first thing I do is say, hey, God, this is yours. So, you know, I get $10. I give God one. He blesses the nine. God can't be second. He refuses to be second in your life. <coughs> Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. He's just not going to be behind your boyfriend. You, what he's not going to—he's not going to—he's not going to take second fiddle. Cain learned that the hard way. I'm not—I'm not receiving an offering that you just kind of—and I—I never thought about this. If you read the story of Cain and Abel, it's really powerful. Cain—Cain Cain brought the offering on a day when he decided to. He said, "In the process of time." Whenever he got around to it, he brought God an offering. And then he brought God whatever he wanted to. He didn't even bring what he was supposed to bring, a blood offering. And some of us are like that. You know, it's like, well, God, you ought to be glad I came to church today. You ever heard this comment? It's so cool. Not cool. It's interesting. People say, well, I was going to give. But I talked too long about money, so I'm not giving anything. You just know God's really nervous. Your $5 is not going to make it in the offering. <laughs> 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, whatever it is, your $50, make it $100, doesn't matter. At some point, you need to pause. And this is what he said that really touched me. God's not, God not interested in being second, third, and fourth in your life. He says, you cannot. This is what he starts with. He says, look, you cannot serve the Lord. Because number one, God's not going to be second. Number two, God's holy. And then thirdly, he says, he will not forgive you your transgressions and your, nor your sins. Here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the street way. He won't put up with your junk. There are people like that, you know, they just won't, <laughs> they won't put up with that. Other people might, but not those people. And you kind of figure them out. You know, there's just some people who just have this, they have no tolerance for certain behaviors. I live with that awareness. I don't live the way I live, and I'm not perfect, but I'm telling you, I'm committed to this idea that he won't be second in my life, he won't allow it. And if I continue to live a certain way, I can't be forgiven because I'm not sincere. And if I forsake the Lord and serve other gods, then he will turn and do harm and consume you after he's done good. And the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Now, that's all not fun. I get it. But please be clear. Number five, he faced the obvious. He said, even after you tell me this, verse 23, put away the foreign gods which are among you then. If you're telling me the truth, then change. Look, at you got false gods all around you. You're telling me one thing, but your life says something totally different. Now, this is what this way you get in the sermon. You go, oh, God, Pastor Rick, okay, is this a hell and fire brimstone message? You're like making me feel so bad. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to say, let's be honest. Let's, let's not play games. I, just to be, let's be honest. Don't you wish people would just tell you the truth? I challenge myself with this all the time. Temple, don't lie. Temple, tell the truth. You didn't mean that because you didn't do it. You didn't mean that. You're not sincere about that. You're not. Look at what you're doing. Look at you. Okay, you, I'm, praying, I'm, I'm, I'm praying over food I know is going to kill me. Okay, I'm praying. Father, bless this in Jesus' name. <laughs> Doctor told me if I eat this, <laughs> I'm going to have high blood pressure and die. But, oh, God, bless and sanctify it. Oh, come on, Temple. Be real. Let's have an honest moment. Look at my spending habits. Come on, let's be real. I told you I like nice suits. I like, okay, be real. I pray before I go shopping. I do for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I literally pray because I know me. Do I care? Man, are you kidding me? Get off five of those suits. Ties too. Shirts go with it. Shoes. Lose your mind. You go out there and you go, oh, God, help me, Jesus. Shouldn't have done it. Can we say amen? Amen. You have to tell yourself, I'm out of control. My temper, look at my temperament. Look at my temperament. Look at my temperament. I am losing my, why am I grumpy? What's obvious about you? What's obviously out of control about you, your children, your family, your life? Joshua calls them on it and says, you cannot serve God like this. You're not being honest. And it's not until somebody forces you to see it. Joshua said, I want to make a covenant. I want to make a covenant to do what's right. And Joshua said, I'm going to build, if you read the rest of the notes, he said, I'm going to build a raw stone, a monument that will remind us of what to do right. And every time you see this stone, it's going to remind you of what to do and what not to do. All of us have a story. All of us have had a journey. All of us. All of us. And we choose how we're going to respond to it. We choose. Well, we're going to do this right. We choose. I've made a decision. As for me and my house, here's how I will respond. When it's fair or unfair, 
Here's what I would choose to do. I pray you'd leave here today and say, I'm choosing to turn this around. I love this. I want to read it because I want to make sure you don't forget this statement. It's so powerful. Joshua said this at the end of the notes. Look what he said. He said, and Joshua said in verse 27, Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law. I'm sorry, go back to verse 25. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made, made them a statute and an ordinance. Verse, two, in, uh, verse 26, then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law, and he took a large stone and he set it up there and under the oak, which is by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, behold, the stone shall be a witness to us. It's going to remind us. This is, what, this is how we're going to live as a family. Get yourself a stone. This is how we live. Write it on a piece of paper, mount it up in your house. This, this is our family covenant. This is how we will manage our life. We will not live like those people. We will not be from here and there. We will find the balance in our life, and we're going to live God's way. And God, as for me and my what? House. We will do what? Serve the Lord. Give God a big hand clap. Amen. Well, I pray you were blessed by today's message. My name again is Pastor Ricky Temple. I, I want to tell you something. You really have the power now to take what you've heard today and apply it to your life. Life changes when you change. If you can reprogram your thinking and allow the Lord to reprogram your heart, he really wants to do that. He wants to take the essence of who you are, and that's what your heart is, the essence of who you are as a person, and push it in a different direction. So take what you've heard today, apply it to your life, and be free. My name is Ricky Temple. I'll see you next time. God bless. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message from Pastor Ricky Temple. Watch more encouraging messages from Pastor Rick at www.rickytemple.tv. If you'd like a copy of this message, click on the bookstore tab at rickytemple.com where you can watch Pastor Rick live and get information about our ministry. Join us next time for another uplifting message.